can't tell if the chemistry is good by looking at it. It wasn't clear yesterday. For the last time, the saltwater pool is a chlorine pool. This is the Talking Pools podcast with pool pros from every region in the country. If it happens in a pool, you'll hear about it here. Everything from tips and hacks to the latest tricks and trends, breaking news. We lay it on the line. We tell it like it is because we think you deserve to know. Hey, Kelly. So I was out of town for a week down in Mexico and Cancun, and I sure as hell don't want to be back here in Chicago. Anyway, welcome to Talking Pools Tuesdays with Kelly and Dan. And this is Dan, not happy to be back in town from my week-long get-the-hell-out-of-everything-pool-related, sort of. (laughs) Can we ever really get away from pools? No, you can't. You know, right? No matter what we do, anywhere we go, there's always water somewhere. And whether, I don't know, I'm just, I try to have a rule of no, um, in my dating life, no one that's in the pool industry or connections. Right. And then today there's a person I met on one of the apps and they're like, Oh, my family runs a pool cleaning business in Pismo beach. And I'm like, I can't get away from fucking pools. (laughs) You can't get away from it. We can't, you know, hotel California. I've said that before. We can't leave. Uh, we can't, you know, you can check out, but you cannot leave at all. <laughs> and even to j- just get away for a week or whatever, uh, it, it doesn't happen. But uh, anyway. Join the Council for the Model Aquatic Health Code, a.k.a. CMAC. CMAC is a member-driven organization that keeps the Model Aquatic Health Code sustainable, current, and complete. Your expertise is needed. Learn more at cmac.org. That's C-M-A-H-C dot org. Yeah, so I was, um, my wife and I, with a handful of our very best friends, we've done this for number of years we kind of travel at least a couple times a year together and go off different places and have a great time and we went to cancun to a resort that i i won't say where because uh i'll probably say some things here that i don't want to you know identify them exactly but of course the resort had an infinity edge pool that uh overlooked the beach and the ocean and Blah blah blah. It was uh, the resort was wonderful. The is all inclusive and all the food and drink and the service was impeccable. Everything was amazing, uh, except for the pool. The pool was pretty <laughs> pretty sad. Um, yeah, just sad. It was a a big pool. Is it was I don't even know how big. I mean, it was huge, really. And at some point, the whole pool was tiled. Okay. And they tiled over because, uh, unfortunately, I could see where massive amounts of tiles had fallen off, a diamond bright type of finish, um, <laughs> which is fine. I mean, that's not a problem. But the, um, I think even even our our friend Jeff Hampy, when he was probably fifteen years old, could have done a better job of tiling this pool than <laughs> uh, whoever tiled it did. And in fact, there were 
Oh, there were, there were so many, so many things about, you know, it's amazing when you travel to a different country and, and certain guidelines and codes and, and regulations or recommendations aren't followed to things that, that are just oh, upsetting. But the, um, every morning there was a guy that went out with a snorkel and a mask and vacuumed the pool. Wait, what? He vacuumed the pool with a snorkel with a and a mask swimming in the pool. Um, and, and justifiably because you, the pool was so big, you could never have vacuumed it with a vacuum pole. It just, you couldn't read, you would never be able to reach it. Okay. So he had a, a snorkel, a mask, a small pole and a vacuum head and a hose. The hose hooked into a vacuum port on the side of the pool. Okay. And there were multiple vacuum ports, but the vacuum ports didn't have the conventional, you know, spring-loaded self-closing door that, you know, when you pull the vacuum hose out, kind of closes over and protects it. it Only was just people can see hole. my face right now. Right. So this, and where we, where our group sat uh, pretty much every day where we had our, you know, deck chairs or whatever you call them, the loungers set up right in front of the deck chairs was a huge tanning ledge that ran. Uh, there was a waterfall in the middle of the length of the pool and we were on one side of that waterfall. So this ledge ran from there, you know, the other half of the pool or whatever. And from, from the edge of the pool, it was probably a good 10 feet out that the, the ledge went before it dropped to the pool depth. And the pool was basically four, four and a half feet throughout. Okay. Okay. Well, these vacuum ports were right on the top of the wall beneath the suntan ledge, if that makes sense. Okay. Well, first day out there, one of the, the friends in our group said, Hey, make sure you watch out for that. They had gotten out there before us that morning. I said, watch out for this uh, hole right here. When I hopped down from this ledge in the pool, I got stuck on it. And I'm like, where's this hole at? You know, and, and, and I look and so sure shit, there's a, a inch and a half vacuum port, suction port that's wide open that if you, you know, put your hand on top of or, or you know, rest it up against it as you're, it, it would suck you to it and it was not easy to pull off of typical uh you know vgba kind of nightmare major nightmare there um and because it's right at, it was maybe two or three inches below the the top of where the suntan ledge returns right so you're standing yeah. next to this thing and people are getting in and out of you know up onto the suntan ledge over to the deck to get you know in and out and everything else all day long and routinely getting sucked to this thing as you're doing it. Now that first day it was all adults and in our area there, but the the next day there were a bunch of kids nearby. And when I got down to the pool that morning, I went, you know what? Okay. This is a concern. And I hopped in the pool right away to go look at this, well, they had screwed a plug into it. Okay. So apparently the routine must be when you're vacuuming the pool, you unscrew this plug, hook your vacuum hose into it, 
get your snorkel and everything and go swim around and suck up the shit in the pool. And then when you have to move to the next vacuum port, you know, screw your plug into that port, which day one, somebody must have forgotten to do. The rest of the week, plugs in the port. It's sealed off so there's no vacuum occurring there. And it's, um, you know, at least safe, I would say, to that extent. Yeah. But, uh, Holy cow. Well, on, on day three, I think it was, in this area, the suntan ledge area, um, some guy comes swimming over, an employee comes swimming over from around this waterfall up on the suntan ledge with a bucket, a tube of two-part underwater epoxy, and starts basically poxing tiles into the wall where there was a huge section of tiles that were missing. (laughs) Oh my God. And all throughout the pool, there are areas where missing tiles were filled in with epoxy, white epoxy, blue epoxy, teal epoxy, um, large areas where only the outer perimeter of the void was sort of tapered with epoxy and then you could see the sort of diamond bright plaster that was in that area before um it was real apparent that when they tiled it they basically just unrolled sheets of tile onto the surface and you know there was no regard to any kind of uh tapering of tile cutting of tile uh anything of that nature as, as time went by. I can't tell you how many pieces of tile through the week that various members of our group picked up off of the floor with your toes as you're walking around because you feel something. You're like, what's that? Oh, look at that. It's a sharp little jagged piece of tile laying on the floor. Let's get that out of here. You pick it up and take it and throw it away so no one cuts their feet. And that looks so bad, like as a resort. <laughs> Yeah, and and this is a a again. I'm, I I don't want to throw out the name of the place, but it, it's a very prominent named resort that is a a global name. You know that um, you know there there are things being built all over the place under this name. In fact, the the Las Vegas Strip is going to have something built very, very soon under this name where they just took over a, an old casino that's, uh, anyway, it, it, it's, but they're not in the U.S., so they don't have to follow, you know, and I know that international swimming pool and spa code starts off with that word international, but <laughs> many of us know that that's anything but international. It's, uh, <laughs> you know, U.S.-based, and, and i Love to know what other nations actually have any uh, following of that or whatnot. But uh, at any rate, it's still, regardless, still a great time, uh, you know, an all-inclusive with, uh, you know, your your closest friends for a week. 85, 90-degree weather. Um, the pool was warm. The ocean was warmer. The... Uh, <laughs> Drinks were flowing freely. The food was great. The service was amazing. And, and Have you recovered with, fully yet? 
No, because, uh, you know, once you recover, you realize that you want to go back. So you're <laughs> into that whole other part of recovery that's like, well, we got to wait until the next time and, you know, all that kind of stuff. But anyway, so it's it's interesting, though, when you do travel to see the variances of the quality of work and the, yeah. the care and the consideration for safety and and all these other things that, that go on. This waterfall, artificial stone, you know, that that in the middle of the pool, there are kids from probably five, six years old up to maybe 12, 13 years old that are climbing up on this waterfall, diving into this pool that's four, four foot, maybe four and a half foot deep. And there are signs all over the waterfall, no diving, you know, tiles that are embedded into it and everything else. But there's no lifeguard on duty anywhere in the pool from from end to end, not a single lifeguard. And all of the the hotel staff working around the pool, from the entertainment staff to the bartending staff to the servers to everything else, no one had a care in the world about these kids, you know, doing flips and, and everything off the top of this waterfall head first down into four foot of water. I just uh, cringed and and tried to really just not be part of it. You know, you, yeah. you try to remove yourself from it. It's like I wanted to go over there and find their parents and say, <laughs> you know, this, it's not even a matter of language because these signs were all the, you know, the diver with the red line and the circle and all that kind of stuff going through it. It's not that you have to be able to read. It's not that it's in English or it's in Spanish or, or anything. It just, it's a, I don't know, real different world sometimes when you travel, I guess. Yeah. So that was my I last just... week. I just have a big fear going into public swimming pools or spas. Like, you know, I the last time I went to a hotel by a pool, my friends are like, oh, are you sure you don't want to buy a swimming suit at the gift shop? They have them. I'm like, nope, I'm good. You know, because just mm -hmm. seeing all those people in the pool and imagining the adults that are peeing in the pool because they're on the the infinity oh, edge yeah. and, you know, and they've had yep. at least three or four drinks. And they've not gotten up for hours. And yep. yep, that was going on too. And and uh, you know, I'm not I'm not the kind of person that carries a test kit or test strips or something with me when I go <laughs> places. But uh, there was not a chance in hell that I'm going underwater in that pool. No, no, not <laughs> no. at all. It's so. uh, very interesting. I, I I would love to go back to that resort. Um, on a professional level and daily take readings of that water. <laughs> and, you know, I, I really have to wonder, even though they, they were diligent in terms of having someone out there very early every morning, vacuuming the pool and cleaning and, and cleaning the deck space and, and all that kind of stuff. Um, the water quality is yeah. uh, not, not good. This tile, I don't know, you know, there's no way to, for me to know when the tile was put on, but the, the, voids between the tiles of grout was significant which is why all of this tile is failing and falling off because the grout's been eaten away the tiles are are compromised and falling off 
um, the aspect of, uh, you know, I, I can't tell you how many areas in, in walking around the pool and so forth, you see dark patches between the tiles of, you know, what I'm pretty sure was algae yeah. growing down into the depths between the tiles and such. And with the ocean right there, there was sand in the middle of the pool that uh, oh, was was gathering extensively. Not that that's a problem per se, but um, just overall, the, the pool could have been a lot different, should have been a lot different, truly. So one of the drawbacks of being in our profession, I guess, is you, well, you I guess can't when fully they... enjoy when you get away. When they send you that, how did we do email? <laughs> you can let them know how you felt about their pool. Yeah. <laughs> Everything yeah, was spectacular right. except for your missing tile, yep. kid jumping into shallow yeah. water, suction entrapment issue. <laughs> right. Just a uh, uh, hazard waiting to happen. And, and you know, in the, in the state that it was in, it's just a matter of time before someone cuts their foot on a tile someone gets sucked into one of these open suction ports that never got closed. Um, someone gets sick because of the, the lack of care of water quality and, and treatment and so forth that uh, all of us know is so important to make a pool truly be that enjoyable thing it should be. Yeah. Anyway, that was my last week. How was your last week? Um, we on Tuesday we had a celebration of life for one of the waterways reps that was in my area for like ever. His name was Chuck, and so a bunch of us got together to celebrate. You know the life he had. He was the he definitely was the life of the party <laughs> when we go on tr on our convention trips and just in general he is just a very good guy um so that was a, a time to get to see people I don't always get to see in the industry and talk with them met ones that I've helped out and I didn't know so like there was a gentleman his company name is Diamond Pools and I found out that I did a uh Paramount warranty for him uh on an in-floor system figured out, okay. you know, what was wrong, what needed to be done. And he was like, so thankful. He's like, thank you so much. And I'm like, yeah, no problem. So it's kind of neat when you, you get in those situations where you have no idea who these people are that you do this stuff. Cause you just talk to them on the phone. It's not like you see each other in person and right. it's nice when they appreciate the work you did. Cause you know, not everybody does right. that. Um, right. Other than that, I just had a startup from hell um, the builder insisted on having the waterfall on while I was doing the startup and the pool scaled within two days because as we know, water features can make the pH go up. Yeah. Um, so then I had to fix it and they wanted me to fix it under the same price that I gave them to do the startup. So yeah. I got it back to looking great and i think it looks amazing the the color is very even on it it you know the baja shelf where they're complaining it was rough is no longer rough um you know poured some acid on there watched it fizz away and then brushed it like 
crap, like just brushed like so much. So then you wouldn't have like patches and stuff. Um, so I'll be done with that tomorrow. Thank God. Hmm. It's like, take my advice when I tell you we can't turn the fountain on. Yeah. Well, some people just don't listen. So I don't know if I, I can't remember if I brought this up. It just was in the last month. The pool that we built probably a dozen years, maybe a little more ago, <clears throat> we replaced the heater for the, the guy um, oh, within the last month to six weeks, let's say. And literally within a couple of weeks of replacing the heater, he, he called in and he said, hey, the, the heater is making really weird noise. And he sent a video, texted a video through. And he, right away, I, I pretty much knew what the problem was, but the, the heater was banging, right? The water yeah. was boiling before it's leaving the heat exchanger. So we send a technician out and uh, in, in the conversation with the homeowner, he said, yeah, and you know what? They're underneath my my jets. It looks like uh, a bunch of crust, crushed seashells laying on the floor and on the suntan ledge and Okay, so we go up there and, and we find out at that point the heater had been in not three weeks. And the heat exchanger is calcified. Oh, it's wow. got calcium buildup like you wouldn't believe. Um, tested his water. His calcium was over 700, the calcium hardness. The uh, alkalinity was at around 300, 280, 290, something like Jesus. that. The pH was well over what, you know, I mean, it, it registers 8.4, but we know it was way higher than that. I've seen heat exchangers destroyed from acidic water in as little as a couple of days. I've never seen one destroyed from calcium buildup from being on the opposite end in such a short period of time and in, in my entire career to the point that i was actually questioning what we were finding to be the problem when our technician's on site and he's calling me and talking to me and yeah and all the rest of it i'm like there's no way there's no way within not even three weeks that a heat exchanger can be calcified so I had them pull the thing apart, pull the headers off, run a, a, we've got cameras that you can Bluetooth to your phone, you know, and runs a camera through it and sure as heck the thing is all jacked up full of calcium inside. The, when he pulled the header off, the inside of the header was full of calcium uh, chunks and everything else. And but Jesus. This, well, know, I guess now you have to four, test the water before you install your heaters. Yeah. Yeah, exactly right. Exactly right. And um, it's, uh, you know, we, we do, of course, when we install heaters, we always test gas pressure and we verify water flow and, and things of that nature. But if a heat exchanger is ever leaking, we're always conscious to make sure we're testing water balance in that right. uh, to make sure it's right before we put a new one in. But I've never ever run into, and the original heater that we were, you know, you're, you're talking about 
a heater that's 10, 12 years old. So yeah, okay, you know, whatever. You you don't really think a whole lot about what's been going on. But yeah, the guy was using nothing but Cal Hypo for shocking the pool every week, you know, and three else? to four pounds. And no, and then he's using calcium tablets besides for his routine chlorine. Uh, you know, so calcium tablets between the calcium and the tablet and the pH of that tablet being around 13, you know, combined with the, the cal hypo that he's thrown in every week, it just, everything keeps going up, 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 and this is where he's at. It's also, so in our climate, we winterize pools. We're in the midst of that right now. We've got a, another two or three weeks solid of winterizing where we're blowing everything out, draining equipment and piping and covering them for the winter and all that. And within a couple of months, they'll all be frozen across most of our Chicago market. But um, we always tell people in our market to drain the water below the, the returns in the pool yeah. for the purpose of winterizing. And then after we winterize it, we tell them to fill it back up to normal operating level. And I know you know, I'll get a lot of pushback from people listening to this episode relative to that. Oh, you can't do that if it's got, you know, gunite pool with tile or a vinyl this and a fiberglass that and blah, blah, blah. And I'm here to tell you I've done it a long time. I know oh. the reality. So we tell them to fill it back up. But this guy uh, doesn't do that. He's always had us winterize the thing full of water. And with that, these various chemical levels that continually build up over time never get depleted. You know, in our market, when we drain a foot of water to get it below the, the returns to winterize it and then fill it back up with fresh water, we're diluting, you know, like that high calcium yeah. because all this calcium is thrown in it all the time every year. You drain a foot of water every year and refill it and you're, you're offsetting that so that, you, you keep these levels from getting extreme, whether it's calcium or stabilizer or um, total dissolved solids. All of these various levels that, that you can't get rid of otherwise are depleted annually when people drain the water a foot to winterize it and fill it back up. Tell them. Tell them about your swim lessons at Miss Kate's house. Yeah. Go, go sit and talk, talk to him. He can hear you and see you. Hey. I, I, He's got to. You got to sit where where mom was sitting, sit right at so I can see you. Here, okay, sit right here. Oh, there he is. Hey, we'll talk hey, about your swim lessons. Got to talk nice and loud. So, how long have you been doing swim lessons? Maybe um, I don't know. You don't know for for a little while though, right? Like not your whole life. Just just for a little while. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What uh, what are they? Are you able to swim across the pool yet? Oh, there's a. I can't swim the the um this the big um. Right here, so you gotta talk nice and loud. The big um uh, big um that big um that big. Side over there, the, like the deep end, only yeah, right. only in the shallow part. I can't swim in the um the the end part because I I maybe drown. 
in the. <laughs> well, we sure don't want we don't want that to happen. Mm-hmm. Can't have you drown. How how old are you now? Seven. Seven. So I think when I was probably about your age is when I was taking swim lessons too. Oh. And I have a little brother like you have a little brother. How old is your brother? Four. 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 Um, my brother, if I was seven, he was probably five, and we were both taking swim lessons at the same time. And we oh. had to prove that we were able to swim before we could then move into the deep end of the pool by swimming all the way from the, the shallow end to the deep end and back to the shallow end without stopping. And that is what we had to do before they then let us take our lessons in the deep end all the time. You like so to swim? It, yep. Don't. I like to swim. Yeah. Mm-hmm. What? What uh, do you know? What color the pool is that you swim in? Um, what color? Blue. Tom, say it nice and loud. Blue. Blue. Cool. The pool that I took lessons in was blue, but it was really, really dark blue. Really dark, mm-hmm. like, like almost scary dark, like a cave. Mm-hmm. Kind of made you want to learn to swim good, so you stayed up we'll on top of the water. Put these in our refrigerator so that they don't melt. Oh. And we should have Max visit us every week. I, they're gone by the time we normally record. Yeah, I know. It's late usually, and they're over they're with dads. Dads and stuff like that. But uh, yeah, we should we should interject interject the kids. Well, and it's nice to hear that he's taking swim lessons to be safe. Yeah. You know, it's very important. I teach it, them. It really is. Now, Max knows not to go in the water. Michael does not. Sure. So that's the scary part about them going places. But in the summertime, where the ladies, the lady that watches the kids, her husband's in the pool industry. He's part of my EPSA chapter. And so they know the importance of them needing to know how to swim. Yeah. And they have a pool. So that is the number one um, deterrent to drowning is teaching people to swim and certainly teaching children when they're small is a lot easier and uh, than it is teaching as ever, anyone gets older. And, you know, the, the aspect of some of the stuff that Rudy and I have been battling against some of these barrier things we talked about last week with the ISPSC's code and barriers and all that nonsense goes kind of directly to that point that uh, although you are making sure your children are taught how to swim, um, the majority of children in the country aren't. For well, I was actually just reasons. having a conversation with my aunt and my uncle. They were visiting and I was talking about, you know, the recommendation changing to only needing a pool cover. And my uncle did not realize how important it was to have a fence. Um, I was explaining to him when it comes to a special education background, uh, I believe a fence is the best preventative way of not having somebody who gets into your yard get into your pool. 
Just because they're not supposed to be in your yard doesn't mean they're not going to get into your yard. And I worked with autistic kids and there was a lot of times the kids would get away and they would get into someone's yard and it was not unheard of them drowning because they didn't know how to swim or anything like that. But then I also mentioned, think about also people with dementia or Alzheimer's or any, anything where they're, abilities are limited the same thing can happen um and he he was just like well they shouldn't be in the yard i'm like i get that they shouldn't be in the yard that's also why i tell my customers to keep a lock on their gate into the yard but people still climb and as a pool professional i have also heard where a pool professional left the yard they said that they should close the gate somebody got into the yard while they were going um, after they left and they were held liable for what happened. Sure. I'll get you more milk. Go. I will. Yeah. You know, my, my mother uh, suffered from dementia before she passed away uh, uh, just a little over a year ago now. And she truly didn't know for the last six months to a year where she was at any given time. Everything was just almost like a dream to her. And I I can't imagine someone like that. And and to that point, she had at some point, um, about a year prior, had left the house where, where she and dad were at and wandered blocks away ended up at at my brother's house who lived nearby um and fortunately she got there safe and and he found her and was able to get her back home and so forth but you know the aspect of her wandering through the neighborhood truly unaware of where she where she really was and i i just cringe at the thought of her walking through someone's yard that had a pool and mom never did swim her whole life. Uh, she was never taught to swim. I'm fairly certain she had had no idea how to swim. If she would have ended up in someone's pool, it would have been a horrible situation. And, uh, you know, so yeah, you've got all ages, all these different things between, you know, um, and it's not just children with uh, issues such as autism or uh, no. other other disabling type of concerns. You know, you, you, I've got a you know family members who are in their thirties who are uh, you know have have these learning. I guess I would say learning disabilities and so forth that. It it could be anybody, and it doesn't have to be your family, or your friends, or their kids, or or loved ones, or even the neighbor right next to you. It could be somebody from three blocks away, from a mile away, that happens to wander through your yard because you don't have a fence to keep them out. And uh, you know you've got an automatic cover, but we all know that those covers are not closed when somebody you know that the theory is that if 
an adult isn't there supervising that cover is closed and therefore yeah. it's safe. But we all know, and, and so many of us in this profession know full well that that is so far from the truth. And, well, uh, look at the um, article that Rudy posted earlier in the week from my area where the yeah. twins died. Both of right. them drowned and there wasn't a fence, even though there should have been a fence since it was foster care. Right. And then, and to further, I, I heard, heard or read, I can't remember which, on that incident that when the emergency personnel arrived at that home, those two twins were still in the pool. Yes. How sad is that? You know, I, I don't care if, if the, the emergency personnel are only five minutes out. The fact that those kids were still in the pool, they should have never been able to get to the pool to begin with. Yeah, because they were uh, at two years old. Yeah. Just sad and just disgusting and a failure, a failure by uh, the powers that be, the municipality who has jurisdiction over whether or not that pool is able to be built with a fence or without a fence. Um, I don't know if that pool had a safety cover or not. It's irrelevant. Yeah. If it has a safety cover, it doesn't have a safety cover. It should have a fence. And the fact that the ISPSC says that, well, if you have a safety cover, you don't need a fence is just total bullshit. But anyway, so yeah, teach your kids to swim, teach them early, make sure that they're aware of the dangers of water and, uh, you know, do what you can as a parent to keep your family safe because and you as a professional need to voice your opinions to the government agencies that lobby for us so that they can see that we do care about these issues instead of just thinking oh we don't have that many people you know letting us know how they feel we don't need to continue on on this mission right and and to to counter all of the money that's used to lobby otherwise by the quite frankly, the companies that make the pool covers. Yeah. You know, they're pouring tons of money into lobbyists and, and every other effort to make the people who create these codes and write these rules see only what they want them to see as to how fantastic an automatic pool cover is. And it's the end all be all for safety. Put one of those on your pool. You don't need anything else. It's a magic pill that cures drowning forevermore. And, uh, you know, I, I said it last week, I'll say it again, I'll say it forever that I will challenge every cover manufacturer out there from Latham to Coverstar to cover pools to APC to name your, your pool cover that's out there to, uh, to step up to the plate and be real and tell the people making these rules what your manual says relative to that cover can't be closed if the water's not balanced. And then overlay that with the professionals out there who know how frequently pool water is not balanced. Yep. And throw out some of the realities of these covers that ropes break every three to four years. And when they break, it may break in an open position. And when it does, you cannot close that pool. And yeah, you can manually do it, blah, blah, blah. There isn't, I, I'd be willing to bet that there, 
70 to 80% of the homeowners out there have no idea how to manually close that cover if the rope breaks. Yep. And, you know, put some of the real statistics out there to these people that are writing these rules and these guidelines and, and then let them make the decision and see if, you know, and I get it, it affects your bottom line, but you know what? The last thing that I want is another person drowning in a swimming pool that could have been prevented. And, you know, so all these different, you know, PHTA declined helping Rudy and I in trying to get this changed. And their reasoning was that we didn't provide enough data to show that there's a need for mm-hmm. pools with auto covers. Evidence. There is no goddamn data out there on drownings that identifies if someone drowned in a pool that had an auto cover or didn't have an auto cover. And if they had an auto cover, if there was a fence or wasn't a fence, that data doesn't exist. So how can I provide data to validate a point when the data isn't captured when injuries and deaths occur? You, you, it's just, it's total bullshit. And, you know, shortly prior, within the last couple of years, I think, the, there were there were essentially lobbying being done where and PHTA was part of it where they were along with cover manufacturers in the state of Texas fighting against the governmental agencies in Texas who wanted to strike that from their local guidelines. So the ISPSC says if you have an auto cover, you don't need a fence. And this area, Texas, said, eh, we don't like that. We we want to strike that and say, you know what, if you have an auto cover, you still need a fence. And PHTA went in with auto cover manufacturers to talk to this governmental agency to lobby them and change their mind. And the outcome was that this area in Texas said, you know what, these auto cover people came in here and they really put on a good show. You know, probably took us to dinner, bought us drinks. Uh, you know, who knows, took us golfing, <laughs> who knows what else they did. And, you know, these are good people. And and obviously they must know what they're doing because PHTA brought them in here to have them talk to us. So here we go. Uh, you know, we're, we're going to leave that in. So if you have an auto cover, you don't need a fence in this area of Texas. So, you know, fast forward, I don't know how many years ago that was, two years, three years. It, it really doesn't matter. It could have been yesterday. doesn't matter. The, the whole principle of the matter is wrong. And PHTA facilitated, at least in that jurisdiction, but I would argue in many jurisdictions, the ability for people to own pools with auto covers without having a fence, and it's wrong. And those of us that are professionals in the industry that have encountered these covers, encountered these problems, know that it's wrong. And we need to, as you said, voice that to anyone that will listen to try to get it changed. And Rudy and our Rudy yeah, I also and I just are, thought of is, you know, I watch a lot of those like home improvement shows or shows where they're buying a house. And I've learned there are areas in this country that you it is not standard. You get a, a fence around your yard. Here in yeah. California, we have fences around all of our yards because we were weird. I don't know. But what if you have a pool yeah. and you have you don't have a fence around your yard? And you only have that auto cover that to me is a, a risk and you have some sort of two barrier requirement 
Well, and and the whole aspect of the barrier requirements and ISP PSC are are layered and in depth, and they all get thrown out the window when you have an auto cover. And then you know the 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 opposition to this almost always it will be thrown out if you're having a conversation with someone and they're not parsing their words. Well, the fence detracts from the beauty of the yard. Get a glass one then. You know what? So so you're putting the aesthetics of the yard over the safety of the community. Think about that. Because I don't want a fence because it's not as pretty as the picture in my head is. I want to put everyone in my community at risk. And I'm just going to have an auto cover. And to hell with the safety, to hell with the neighbors, to hell with community. It's about me and this vision I have in my mind that doesn't include a fence because it's not pretty. Beauty over safety. Bullshit. Mm -hmm. Well, I bet all those ones have dogs. And guess what? When the dogs get old, they fall in the pools and they drown. Dogs, horses, so within within a, a group that Rudy put together relative to, you know, uh, opposition to this anti-barrier, you know, regulation, um, there, there have been comments made about horses, dogs, uh, someone, I can't remember who it was, posted that the, the family's black lab, I think it was, went missing in, uh, during the winter. And that following spring, they open the pool up for them, and guess what they find? The family black lab. Oh, my cousin's dog. For months. He was he was a husky. He was very old. He couldn't see, and somehow he got out of the yard. Well, a couple streets down, a neighbor knew knew who they were. Grabbed the dog, put him in their in the back their backyard for safe keeping until they got a hold of my cousin. And this is a story my aunt just told me today. And once. My cousin got to the house. They found him in the spa and he had freaked out, pooped in the spa because he's freaking out because he can't see, can't get out. And if they didn't yeah. get there when they did, he would have been dead. Sure. Yeah. Because he couldn't see. We In our area, although um, there isn't anywhere in our the area that we service and build in, in Chicago and here that allows a pool without a fence, even if it has, even if it has an auto cover, there are um, certain areas with zoning and size of property that you can have a fence, no auto cover, or I'm sorry, a pool with no auto cover and still not have a fence. And it's rural communities, farming communities, things like that with, with property that, oh, it's been years since I've encountered one, but I want to say 10 acres or larger. You know, you're talking about farms, basically. Yeah. And and the the underlying thought is, well, there's no one coming around the, the area that's going to wander into the property. It's their own family, and they're going to take, you know, control over, over the security and safety and blah, blah, blah. Yeah. But with that, this is probably 30 years ago, I had to pull a a baby, a, a baby deer, a fawn out of a pool who in one of these environments got into this pool that we had just 
It's a vinyl line pool that we put a liner in the year before. I think it's in a wooded area, large piece of property, far more than 10 acres. And they called up in a panic one day because there was a deer in their pool. And it's not too far from where our office is. I ended up going over there with a, another technician at the time and uh, found this fawn in the pool um, still alive. And the mother was 15 feet away from the pool. And uh, we we literally uh, got in the pool and lifted this fawn out onto the deck where it then eventually got its legs under it and, and walked over by mom and, and off they went off into the woods. Now, people probably think we're crazy pointing out the animals that fall into these pools. <laughs> but yeah. when it comes to your pets or something, you have a connection with them as if it's your child. And so that is just like having the child. And I think it's just any yeah. anybody or anything can fall into these pools and we need to put a put something in place that is more likely to be working the way it should than a cover will do. Yeah, I, I think that unfortunately more people are far more compassionate over animals than they are humans. Not that animals yeah. lives don't matter either, but. Um, you know, they, they don't have a very high regard for some person in the community's, uh, child or, or whatnot being harmed by falling into a pool, but tell them Bambi fell in or, you know, old Yeller fell in and, and then the tears start flowing and it kind of hits home. So, you know, it, it, it could be animals, it could be people, it regardless of what form of life it is it's easily prevented in many many cases by simply having a fence uh, installed the way ISPSC says that fences are the primary barrier and we need to do what we can to get rid of the exclusion to fencing when you have an automatic pool cover I don't know. Like I said, we I know we talked about last week and and here we are now week number two and <laughs> but it's still kind of burning on me and and you know Well and these are things this, that we weren't pointing out when we talked about it last time. Seeing this pool uh down in Cancun, um, you know, the, the beaches all the way across Cancun are all open to the public and this pool has no fence around it. You can walk from the beach, climb a flight of stairs at either end of the pool, and you're in the pool area. And if it isn't for security being there, which quite frankly is uh, there during the day, but in, you know, once you get past when when darkness falls, the security is uh, much more lax. You could have people wandering along the beach after drinking all day that stumble into these resorts and fall in these pools. But you know what? That's Mexico. It's not the United States. I can't do a whole lot in Mexico to help things, but I can in the United States. So that's why I'm going to battle probably for as until it's either changed or I'm no longer here to try to get these, <laughs> these things turned around because uh, it's, it's just, absolutely insane and and these 
you know, this ISPSC is on a three-year cycle, right? So yeah. the 2024, right around the corner, there's going to be a, a the, the newest rendition that's going to be released. And then, and, and that one's pretty much, that, that one's already in the books, right? It's, it is already what it's going to be. So mm-hmm. come January, there's going to be a 2024 ISPSC and it is what it is. Um, the next rendition isn't until 2027. Yep. So even as much as we may battle today to get the ISPSC to change the code, it's not going to be out there for no, more three than three years. years if we were to convince them now that it needs to be. And with that, the whole aspect of that is now, I think we've got until like January 8th or something like that of 24 to get anything put in front of the International Code Council for their consideration. And that doesn't even mean that it will happen. It's just that, you know, that's they're going to start looking in January of 24 at what they're going to do for 2027. Mm-hmm. So, you know, going even beyond that, I, I would say that we need to get industry uh, associations to get manufacturers, to get professionals, to voice and put themselves out there now to say, this is wrong, we don't condone this, even though it's in there and it may not be revoked until 27 if we can manage to beat the lobbyists and the money that's buying the drinks and the dinners and the golf and and get it turned around. We need people to step up and say, this is wrong. And it shouldn't be this way. And even though it's in the ISPSC, we don't condone it so that more and more consumers can realize the validity of what, uh, you know, Rudy, myself, you and and so many, many others have been uh, talking about in, in recent months. Well, so. I think that's it for today. I think we need to make a couple of announcements and reminders. So. We are going to do a fun Halloween episode since Halloween's on a Tuesday. So by 6 p.m. Pacific Standard Time on Wednesday, the 18th, we will will put a post it today, but go onto the Talking Pools podcast, look for the post, and give us your scariest pool you've ever done. If it's a green to clean, if it's an equipment nightmare, any of those things and give a little description about why you think this is the scariest pool on earth uh, that you've worked with. And me me and Dan will talk about all of the pools that you guys submit. And then we will determine like the top three and we'll send you some swag from our talking pools closet. Pictures are a bonus. If you got a scary pool picture, put it out there. We need the picture. Tag me and Kelly. We need the picture. (laughs) Tell us the story. Let us share it with everyone else. We're uh, actually, uh, Kelly came up with this idea and I love it because, uh, uh, I don't know. I've said before, the Talking Pools Facebook group, I think, is the best professional group that's out there. And, uh, you know, it's kind of a fun thing for us to jump into this uh in a couple of days here so it's it's going to come up quick you don't have a whole lot of time but i know you got a lot of scary ass pools and or or scary ass pool owners or 
God knows what else that pool related that would scare the hell out of you that uh, we'd love to hear about. So put it out there. And then both me and Dan will be at the international show at some point of the show. So please come see us. And me and Deb will be speaking in the Blossom and Lead, a backyard experience on the show floor on Monday the 13th from 4 to 5 p.m. We will be talking about quick install slash repairs you can do to make some good money. And I'll I'll be there listening to it because I need some quick good money. (laughs) So we... We'll see how everything turns out. But thank you for listening. Like us, share us. Um, Please send us questions so we know what to talk about that you guys want us to talk about. And yeah. And also thanks, CMAC, for supporting us and for supporting the industry with all of the great, great info and guidelines that you guys put out there for us. And, uh, you know, like Kelly said, listen to all of all of various podcasts, stuff we got going on Monday through Friday. But keep in mind that after Tuesday, the rest of the week is WTF. <laughs> Have a good day, you guys. Take it easy. I just wanted to take a minute to say thank you for listening today. I'm hoping you enjoyed the episode as much as we enjoyed putting it together for you. Listen, it's been a couple of wacky, crazy, screwed up years from pandemic to Poolmageddon. I just want you to know that we are all in this together. If there's anything that we can do for you, send me an email at talkingpools at gmail.com. Again, that's talkingpools at gmail.com. We're here. This is your podcast. We are the Pool People's Podcast of the Pool People for the Pool People by the Pool People's Podcast. This one is about you. So thank you for tuning in and listening. Do me a favor. Click subscribe before you go. That way you don't miss an episode. 